Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Mark, Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. And I invite you to stand as you're able, in body or in spirit, for the reading of our gospel lesson. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove. On him. And and a voice from heaven saying, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was with the wild beast, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. In the third century uh, of the world, there were these individuals who felt a call from God to withdraw from society and go into the desert. These people were called the desert fathers and mothers. And these early saints of the church had this call, this call from God specifically to withdraw from what they believed to be a sinful culture, to withdraw from these places and go out into the desert and pray and read scripture and seek after God. These were some of the first monks. These early monks went out and they prayed and they had these really deep and powerful supernatural experiences with both God and with the devil. And some of the great wisdom, some of the wisest things that you could ever read are going to come from these desert mothers and fathers. In fact, I would encourage you, if you ever just get bored and you want to read something really good and interesting, Google desert fathers and mothers. And some of their wisdom is just going to be amazing. I shared this on Facebook recently. One of the, one of the early desert fathers said this, you do well to think you fast, but the devil never eats. You do well to think you work, but the devil never sleeps. The only way, the only facet by which you can outdo the devil is in your humility because the devil has no humility. Isn't that good? You know, we think we've got to work so hard, but ultimately the only real tool sometimes we have against the devil is our humility. So these desert fathers and mothers were just so wise and so much good stuff there. But one of, kind of the preeminent one, the leader, one of the first ones to go out and to really write and pray and think was someone by the name of St. Anthony. St. Anthony was one of, the, one of the first desert fathers. And he just had these amazing spiritual experiences, both with God and then with the devil. In fact, there was this story told, uh, St. Athanasius writes it in the fourth century, called The Temptation of St. Anthony, where St. Anthony felt the call by God to go into this tomb. And in this tomb, he did spiritual combat with demonic forces. These, devil, these demons manifest themselves. And, and even St. Anthony was even wounded in this battle. It, it, it reminds me of the great theological work, Empire Strikes Back. When Luke went into the cave of Dagobah and battled Vader, you know, very, you know, very deep theological work there. And, but that's almost what happened to Anthony is he, he, he did battle 
And this deep spiritual reality and the demons were there and his friend literally carried him back to town the next day. But he said, no, I must go back. And he goes back to the cave and stands in the tomb and says, Satan, I will not flee from you and I will defeat you through Jesus Christ. You're like, wow, that's amazing. What an amazing encounter and what, a, what amazing spiritual strength that Anthony had. Another example of someone dealing with these type of things, some of you know Martin Luther. We, we, we sang his hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, to open up a service, one of my favorite hymns in all of Christianity. And Luther was the great Protestant reformer. And as he was writing, sometimes the devil would come and would accuse him. He would accuse Luther. You know, the Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. So the devil would come and accuse him. And Luther was writing at one point, the devil appeared. So Luther took his inkwell and threw it against the wall, trying to scare the devil off. And his friends ran in and found this big ink stain on the wall where Luther had thrown the inkwell. You're like, wow. What an amazing spiritual experience he had. You know, I have friends of mine that have been missionaries in different parts of the world. And they come back and they have these amazing spiritual experiences, amazing stories of spiritual battles. And you're just, wow, you're amazed by it. And we hear these things and doesn't our faith seem kind of boring in comparison? <laughs> you know, they see these things and they experience these things. And, and, and it's amazing to hear these stories and, and to, to see these things that they, that they battle with. You know, we as Christians have, we encounter spiritual warfare. Paul says in Ephesians that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, the principalities, and the rulers of this dark age. So yes, in our life, we do face spiritual battles. We do face spiritual temptations. We do have this divine war all around us. There's this great scene in the Old Testament where, where Elisha is in Samaria and, and, and they're, they're, they're being attacked and Elisha's not worried. And his friends are like, why aren't you scared? And he prays for the Lord to open their eyes. And they, their eyes are open and they see this band of angels all around them. And we see the Bible tell us over and over that our battle is spiritual, that there's a spiritual battle raging all around us, all, all around us, this spiritual battle is raging and we can't always see it. And so we look in our lives sometimes and we're like, golly, our life seems boring. Our life doesn't seem that dramatic. Our life doesn't seem like that. There's that much happening. You know, I kind of compare it to when you hear these great spiritual stories of, of Anthony and of Luther. I compare it to um, the, how, how the joke is, you know, Disney has ruined marriages because you watch any prince's story, they got married at the end of the story, and then what did they do? They lived. Obviously, those folks had never been married. Like, I wouldn't want to be married to me. That's not a fun life. My poor wife, can you imagine being waking up next to me? That's terrifying. So we see that, and like real marriage is hard. And we hear these, these, uh, these stories of Luther and of Anthony, and we're like, oh, wow. Doesn't our faith seem so insignificant sometimes compared to these grand and glorious battles? 
Like, what about us? We, it's making us think that all the spiritual life and all the spiritual battles are grand and glorious. And sometimes we want to have spiritual cosplay, you know? You know, what about our excitement? What about our excitement? When do I get to draw a sword against the devil? You know? And that's why I think Mark's gospel is interesting. My favorite gospel, personally, is Matthew. I, 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 think, I think of, I love Luke, Luke's fun, but I think Matthew's my favorite because Matthew deals so much with the Old Testament. But for those of you that don't like small talk, you know, like, I like small talk. I like to shoot the breeze. I'm assuming if you're sitting there, you want me to talk to you. But some of y'all don't like small talk. Mark is your guy. Mark is your gospel because Mark is not playing around and Mark is not wasting time. In fact, you remember this, you remember the Christmas story in Mark's gospel, right? I hope you're not nodding your head because Mark does not have a, does not talk about Christmas. Mark doesn't have time for Christmas. He's getting the action. Mark is not playing around. Mark is moving. Mark doesn't have time to waste. So today, we see Mark talk of Jesus, this spiritual battle. We see Mark tell about Jesus and his temptation. What do we see? We see one single solitary verse. He says this. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. It was with him with the wild beast. And the angels waited on him. One verse. One verse, that's it, one verse. Now, if you want to read the fuller account, go to Matthew, and Matthew does a great job explaining it. But Mark doesn't paint this temptation as this grand and glorious, amazing thing. He's just got one verse, and then he is moving on. He, he's moving on to what is happening next. It doesn't seem grand and glorious. It just, it moves on to the next, on to the next. Mark doesn't draw it out, but he says this, and then he moves on. And I think this is a great, a great thing for us, y'all, for where we find ourselves in life, because let's be honest. Let's be honest. Sometimes we, we do want that spiritual cosplay, don't we? Sometimes we do want to fight the grand and glorious battle. Sometimes we want to be like Anthony and putting the devil in a figure four leg lock like a spiritual Ric Flair. You know, that's what we want. But that's not, for most of us, that's not our great temptation and our great fear. I'm not worried about most of us here today, most of y'all having some divine spiritual royal rumble with the devil. I'm not worried about you going out and robbing a bank or committing murder. Most of y'all. A couple maybe. But I'm worried about you going on Facebook and reading all that garbage on there and hardening your heart against those who disagree with you and those who may have a different opinion about you. I worry about you getting mad at the person at work tomorrow who's a gossip. I don't know if we're going to go preach to meddling. I worry about me or you becoming a gossip. See, y'all, the hard part of the spiritual life is not the grand and the glorious spiritual battle royal. 
Most of our spiritual battle is about putting our pride to death. The devil wants us to think that spiritual warfare is always the grand and the glorious and the the divine revelation, royal rumble. But most of it is about keeping our heart from being hardened against the people that God's called us to love. Most of it is about laying our, our pride on the cross day after day after day and repenting and humbling ourselves and taking up our cross and following Jesus. Most of it is about praying for those that persecute us, those who we're mad at, those who we struggle with. Most of it is not delving into the darkness of this world. And that's not cool, y'all. That's not fun. That's not neat. That's hard. That's hard. But that's where the devil gets us, y'all. He wants us to be jonesing for that spiritual adrenaline rush where everything's cool and neat and wow. Instead of the day-to-day and the simple and the difficult. That's where it hits the road. That's where the rubber hits the road, y'all. We crave the spiritual adrenaline rush of something crazy. But if we're going to be honest, most of our spiritual battles are against the simple, small sins that will harden our heart and destroy us from the inside out. One of my favorite movies was a, a movie a few years back ago. Some of you may have seen it called The Devil's Advocate. Um, it's a movie um, where Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves plays a lawyer. And he's tempted. His, 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 he's being tempted by the devil who comes to him in the form of a lawyer. And I know, y'all, there's a lot of easy jokes we can make there about the devil and lawyers, but we're not going to make them because that's beneath us. We call that low-hanging fruit. And as much as we want to, we're not going to make devil lawyer jokes. It's just too easy. So. But the devil comes to him. And he, 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 it turns out the entire movie, basically, spoiler alert for a movie that's 30 years old, um, is that the devil's tempting him to do this unethical and proper thing. And then the rest of the movie plays out with him battling this temptation that the devil holds in front of him. So it finally does get to the climactic battle. And, and in this climactic battle, he does resist the devil and he defeats the devil and good wins. Yay! And then he kind of steps back to the reality and comes to find out that the entire movie was simply this temptation. So in the end, he doesn't give in to the temptation. He stands in his integrity. He stands firm. And oh my gosh, he loses the case. Oh, it's a big, it's a big to do. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And everybody clears out the courthouse and he goes to the restroom and kind of washes his face. And as he's in the restroom, leaving the restroom, leaving the courthouse, a reporter, friend of his, him, a reporter friend of his comes up to him and says, oh my gosh, I can't believe what you did. I can't believe what you did. You didn't, you, 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 you did this, it's amazing. Let me write a story about you. No, 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 I don't want to do that. Let me call 60 Minutes. We'll make you a star. And he, well, he says, okay, give me a call tomorrow. And then at that moment, as he walks away, the reporter transforms into the devil. 
He says, vanity. Always my favorite. Y'all, it's not always going to be me, you, and St. Anthony and Luther throwing ink wells at the devil. A lot of times it's going to be us putting our pride to death, putting our lust to death, putting our greed to death. It's in the small and the ordinary and the day-to-day places where the spiritual body battles are, are fought. It's in the small and the ordinary where holiness is forged in the fires of God. Sometimes we crave the excitement of the dramatic. But holiness is achieved, y'all, in the day-to-day and in the ordinary. Because that is where our God meets us. Jesus' temptation was one verse today, y'all. It's not always going to be grand. It's not always going to be glorious. But it's going to always require faithfulness. It's going to always require faithfulness. And that faithfulness, y'all, does not come from me and my will or you in your will. But it comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Day by day, inch by inch, foot by foot, movement by movement. And y'all, that's how sin and how goodness both work. When we indulge in the small sins and the little things, you know, the things that you know, no one else will ever see, no one else will ever know, every little loss hardens our heart. But likewise, y'all, Every little victory strengthens our resolve. When we are faithful with the small, God will prepare us for the great. Be faithful, y'all. That's where the war is fought. Not in the grand and the glorious, not in the exciting and the extraordinary, but in the day to day, small acts of faithfulness. Small acts of holiness, small act of grace. That's where the battle is fought, and that's where the battle is won. And we thank God that the battle is not ours, but the battle is the Lord's. May we be faithful in the small things, and may God be with us in all things. Let's pray.